I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of Exposure 4. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. Welcome back to Old School. I'm Rick Lasky, along with my buddy, Chief John Salka. And um, John, um, uh, we, we always start off one of these, uh, uh, one of these shows, uh, so, well, not always, but a lot of times talking about maybe a recent event or something that went on or something that leads to, to a particular topic. Um, uh, I know a lot of people are still fighting their way through this whole COVID mess uh, with how to get their training done and stuff. We've been getting some great feedback on these uh, um, you know, it was nice, uh, some compliments, really nice compliments um, about uh, us talking about uh, our good friend Curtis Burt down in Pearland, Texas as the new training chief. Uh, one, of, one of their members had uh, commented on uh, our post on the show uh, to take a list, and they were pretty proud of the fact that he was on there. And I'm great sitting guy, great guy. Well, the first thing I thought of was, John, is little do they know just how good a friend he is to us and, and how much we love and adore him. And what a great, what a great, great officer, chief officer, training officer there. I mean, to have that, have him as your, your training chief is just incredible. So uh, I just want to throw that out there, but okay. So, so speaking of, of current events, it, it happened again recently. And, and John, it seems like it, this, this particular topic um, or incident runs in spurts. It's like there's a, there, and we're we're going to talk about the rope rescue, um, whether it's you know coming up over off off a roof or from a window above or whatever. Um, and and it seems sometimes, John, correct me if I'm wrong. In the FDNY, there'll be like this long span where you don't hear about one, and 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 it's, it seemed like that lately. We didn't hear about one for a while. All of a sudden, bang bang, there was two, maybe even three, but there was two right away. Um, you know, almost almost a week or so back to back that were pretty dramatic. Um, so I guess for for our listeners, let's let's talk about the rope rescue and maybe walk them through the decision to to perform it, the fact the factors that go into it, uh, the tactical decisions behind it, uh, safety, all those different things. I mean, you know, real quick, our good friend uh, Mickey Conway, talk about Mickey's real quick before we get into like when to make the decision and all that stuff. I mean, he was at a pretty dramatic one years ago. Yeah, Mickey was. That uh, uh, was in a high-rise down in the Bronx. Um, they often happen in high-rises, but not all the time. Most recently, the last couple that happened were not high-rise buildings at all. Actually, sometimes they're in brownstones, you know, three or even four-story buildings where maybe it's in the rear or in a shaft where no ladders are accessible. Aerial ladders, tower ladders can't reach them. All the people in the front of the building don't even see it happening sometimes. It happens in the, in, in the rear. Um, you, you know, life-saving rope or the roof rope used to be called the roof rope years ago, and they changed it to life-saving rope like lots of other things. It's, it's still a rope rescue. And, 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 John, real quick, we don't want not to confuse when we say life-saving rope, not to confuse a firefighter's – are we talking – I mean, 
you know, the difference between your self rescue, repel, right. you know, right. like, you know, when you're going to bail out a window kind of thing versus the life saving rope. Right. 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 Too Absolutely. Different? I mean, that's, that's the newer thing that, that's been around, you know, obviously it's, it's been around for a while now, but it's still a more modern that, you know, the bailout rope, the bailout system that everybody has. Right. Um, and, and that's, an, that's the amazing thing. Everybody has that. I mean, right down to little places that just have three-story buildings, a lot of people have gone. That was one of those things that happened, and, and it caught on, and it got popular, and, and manufacturers jumped out there and started producing the belts and the bags and the ropes and the hooks. You know, there was some new technology. Again, I must tell you, it came from the FDNY because the FDNY reinstituted the ropes. We had had ropes years ago. They were taken away. We lost a couple of people in between, and, and they reinstituted the, the bailout rope and the bailout belt and things of that nature. The FDNY actually designed it, and, and our friend, Chris Delisio, was, was an integral part of that program and, the, and that getting that hook design. Yeah, yeah. So now instead of, like we used to teach, putting a tool in the corner of the window and, and tying your rope to it, now they had a hook that was part of the system. So, so I don't want to talk too much about that because that's not what we're here to talk about today. That, that's the bailout system, and that's wonderful. But everybody and his brother has it. You ask somebody, oh, do you guys have a life-saving rope? Do you have a rope system that you can use to rescue civilians? And most of the time, the answer is no. Some big departments have it, but not many fire departments have a, an in-service, life-saving rescue rope. For how many, how many departments are, do you run up against, John? And, I, and, and this is going to startle some people. Don't have a work rope versus a search rope, you know, that I mean they are a search rope versus a rescue rope. It's like, you know, they bring out their rope bag and it's, well, this is what we use for hauling tools up and down and for doing this. And this is what we use for search. And this is what we would use if we had a rescue. And I'm like, I thought you're supposed to have two different ropes. I thought you're supposed to have a bag designated for rescue. And then another one, more of a utility for hauling tools and searching and dragging. Oh, absolutely. Because you know, the and, ropes get, they get treated differently, dramatically yeah. different topics. But um, some don't have that. Strengths, dimensions of the rope, the strength required for the rope, the type yeah. of rope used. I mean, let's face it. You can still use, I don't want to say an old manila rope, but you, you can use a brand new, nice, recently purchased manila rope as a haul rope, as a, as a hoisting rope. There's, there's no real requirement for that for, 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 for lift or strength. You get, to, you get to situations where you're, where you're pulling up a, uh, you know, a Stokes basket or lowering a Stokes basket for an injured firefighter or an injured civilian down an aerial ladder from the fourth floor. You're using ropes. And then, and then it goes up one more step to this life-saving rope that I talked about. That you're going you're gonna to go out and subject that rope to, to a firefighter's weight with all his gear on, plus maybe the pickup of a civilian of a couple of hundred pounds, and, and then maybe lowering another five or six stories. So dramatically different uh, situations and tasks certainly require different ropes. And if, and if you're listening to this and you pretty much just have a couple of rope bags that you use for everything, not a good idea. Something that you could probably go and, and do some research on and start developing, you know, search rope bag with a search rope in it, you know, a, a, you know, a hoisting rope or a, or a work rope, and then maybe a life-saving rope. I, I can name at least three separate ropes that you probably well, need. And again, yeah, exactly. Cause I, I and I, I said, you know, I was, I was serious about it. It may startle some people when, I've been places that you, you have too, where you, you know, they're showing your stuff or you're talking, you're out on the floor and you go, okay, guys, go grab, go grab your life-saving rope and go grab your search rope or your utility rope, your work rope. And they bring the one bag in. And I'm like, no, no, where, where's it? Well, this is it. And I'm like, and it, it's almost like when we've talked about 
high-rise packs that are not set up right or writ bags that are overloaded. It's like they don't know that they should have the, you know, the, the two different. And we'll get to the one-time use, which, is that, which would actually kind of tell you you need a second rope anyway. But go ahead, John. I'm, sorry. I'm, just, yeah. I'm just amazed. So, um, <clears throat> I'll tell you another thing that the FDMY does uh, very well is all the ropes are labeled. You get, you get a search rope, there's a yellow bag that says search rope on the outside of the bag. You have a life-saving rope, it's a much larger white bag, different style bag. The rope is packed dramatically different, and it says life-saving rope on it. So everybody knows exactly where the ropes are, what they are, what their purpose is. And so, I mean, to get into it, it, it it's still a one-person. It's still a one-person operation, meaning one person is going over the edge. But it's actually a two-person drill. It's actually a two-person uh, uh, tactic because there has to be a lowering person up at the top who is, is just as important as the guy or the gal that's sliding down because it can't be done without them. So we have this, this two-person evolution that gets completed with a certified, you know, and, and there's industry standards for life-saving ropes, right? So you, that, that's what you have to start with. You have to go and research and get the rope that fits your, your purpose. If it's going to be a life-saving rope, it's got to be the proper size. FDNY has a 150-foot life-saving rope. There are people that have something a little bit longer or a little bit smaller, depending on your building stock, depending on the heights of the building, you're expected to use it in. And that is what, that, that's what, what often is used. What we're talking about, we're talking about a life-saving rope, which is going to be used by two firefighters to, to, to uh, rescue somebody or access somebody. And the rescue doesn't have to be complete. It doesn't have to be somebody has to be removed from the building and lowered. We'll talk more about that when it comes up. But we're talking about a two-person evolution where we're gonna go from above, above a distressed person that's at a window or at, a, at an exit point for uh, a fire, and they're gonna be grabbed or protected by the, the, the two firefighters from above. It could be from a window above. It could be a 20-story building, person on the 10th floor is in trouble, firefighters are gonna do a life-saving rope from the 11th floor. They're not gonna go to the roof. Or and, uh, and, unlike, and unlike a firefighter who's jammed up life or death situation for a firefighter and they have to bail with, like you said, we could talk about another day, setting a halogen in the corner or tying off or do something like that, whether they may have found themselves by themselves. We're talking two firefighters to make this happen, right? Absolutely. This is absolutely a two firefighter operation. And, and often there's a couple of other firefighters there to help as well, but, but it can be effectively and completely and properly done with just two firefighters who are properly trained and have the, the life-saving rope with them. Well, so, so that's what we're talking about. Now, okay. now, obviously, there's a lot of situations. Let's talk briefly about, so you decide to do it. Mickey Conboy's rescue was a great one. Because Mickey Conboy slid down, and he got to the window where this, where this person was, and they were perched out at the window. They were ready to go, right? Because the fire was inside their apartment being fought, or, or, you know, the firefighters were making their way to the fire, or they were attempting to put the fire out. Mickey Conboy, Conboy uh, grabbed that uh, person and stayed there with that person. He did not continue to slide down. They didn't lower him to another floor. Actually, he never took that person onto the rope. He went down to the windowsill, grabbed the person, pulled them off to the side to safety, and stayed there with them. The guy up on the, on the roof held tension on the rope and held Mickey right there. He was still supporting him. Mickey could have taken that person down and slid down further, but that's an evaluation that has to be made at that moment, at that situation. Obviously, the folks that were putting the fire out or the incident commander said, the fire has been lodged and knocked down. You can wait there. You'll be able to remove that person in from the inside. Because, as we all know, taking that second person, taking the victim onto the rescuer's rope 
certainly increases the hazard of the, of the operation. Right. Now you've doubled, or maybe even more than doubled, the weight on that rope, and that could cause something to happen. So that's Nothing a big decision right there, right? Whether you actually take them on the rope or keep them where they're at. I mean, in Mickey's case, it was, and I think it was one of the two rescues we were just talking about recently with FDNY, was just keeping someone from jumping was the thing and let, let the firefighters you know, on the line come in and hit the fire and do what they got to do. It's just kind of almost a protection in place. I'm going to keep you from jumping to your death here. You know, look, I'm here. You're not, I'm not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere kind of thing. So there's, there's a big difference there. Yeah. Certainly. Once the firefighter arrives at the scene, they're going to calm that person down. If the person hasn't jumped already, that's great. Now they can say, okay, you're good. I'm here. I'm not going to leave you. Sometimes firefighters will attempt to slide horizontally, laterally to another window in another apartment or maybe a balcony railing that they can grab onto. Maybe firefighters will come out there, you know, with a hook or a tool and reach out to them and try and pull them over to the side. Again, you have to always consider that that rope has got a lot of weight on it and it's up over either a windowsill or a parapet wall. And you want to try and avoid rolling that rope sideways as much as possible too. We have, we have a device, we have a chafing block, a chafing block that goes over the corner of the window and the rope actually is, is laced through it. So when you do go over, it's not over the, the raw edge of the roof, like a concrete block or a brick or whatever. It does have a chafing device between the rope and the, and the roof, but you still want to always remain aware that that rope is certainly the weak link, right? And you don't want to try and do it. So, so we can move horizontally to remove the person and take them into the building. We can remain with them and just get them out of the venting window if there's fire or smoke venting out the window. Or we can, or we can take them and there's a proper way to grip them with the arms and the legs and then push off. And then the roof firefighter, who's the guy who's up on the roof and looking down, sees that and he continues to lower them. And the, and the rescue firefighter on the rope can decide to go one or two stories down or maybe, maybe it's a four-story building. And maybe he's going to go two stories down and land in the rear yard with this person. Well, because I know one of the considerations in the past has been, okay, I, I, I lo- I'm, I'm lowered you know, to the window with the victim. And then the decision is stay in place like Mickey did, or this isn't going good. We have to, we have to get out of here. We, we, we have, we have to move now dropping the floor to the floor below. If you don't, you know, to sit there and and just dangle is not a good idea, obviously. Um, Because my, my, you know, the, the biggest concern at that point I've heard from, from, from many people that have considered or have done it is okay. If they don't get the fire and now, you know, now fire, pushes out that window, there goes your rope, right? If you, I mean, you're not going to lower down to the window below or the floor below and just kind of hang there and, you know, hope that, uh, uh, you know, everything's all right. And then things don't go right in the room of origin. And now you got fire pushing out the window, which now stresses your rope or destroys it. And we have a big problem. So again, that's a big decision. I mean, if, 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 uh, as I just mentioned, you know, again, you, you make it to that victim and the crew, you know, for whatever reason, can't make the hallway or can't make the door or whatever. And now you've got fire advancing through the room and potentially out the window. You make that decision to, to lower to the floor or two below. We're not just going to hang there, right, John? We're, I mean, you know, first right. of all, again, I, I just mentioned it. Now you've got this fire that, that, that is, is going to impinge and destroy your rope. And we're going to have a very tragic ending to all this. Right. Um, so, so know, the I, clock is ticking. One, yeah. once, the, 
once the firefighter, once the rescue firefighter decides that he's going to leave the window. A lot of decisions right. have already been made, but now he's deciding, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to remove the victim. Then the clock is ticking, and they got to really consider trying to leave that window sill or whatever they were doing. They may not, may not have been on a window sill. It may have been just dangling in front of the window, right? And you mentioned once take- before – you, I'm sorry, you mentioned once before, John, that you have to keep in mind now you've got, you've got more weight on that rope. You know, the longer you've got that person with you on the rope, you know, I mean, the, the, the more you have chances for things not to go right, right? Oh, the greater risk, absolutely. So that's why the, once, you, once you push off and take the victim, you want to keep that, that time dangling, not dangling, but with the weight of two people on the rope as short as possible, which is why they're almost certainly going to go directly to the floor below. And once this is in operation, People are already heading there. Another team of firefighters, a squad, or somebody is probably already sent to the floor below to open those windows and, and, and receive them and reach out and grab them in. I mean, that, that's obviously one of the important points. The first point we talked about was actually equipping your people, going out and, and specking out and purchasing and putting in service life-saving rope technology and equipment. The next thing you want to get is make sure you have a, you know, an evolution, a, a, a proper set of tactics and procedures to put in. In the FDNY, it's very, very structured. What you do and how you do it, they make it very simple. We still use, and I'll call it the old-fashioned Atlas Life Belt. They still use that. The Atlas Life Belt is still with the life-saving rope. In most so, cases, it's, it's, it's fastened around the, the bag. Well, now, your rescue squad and truck guys have the harness, that the, the one we, you know, we use a lot of it. Uh, in different departments where it's built into your, your bunker pants, right? Right. Everybody has the harness, and that can be used as well, right? But that other belt is there, too, in case a firefighter doesn't have the harness. Right. The important point here is there's, a, there's, a, there's an evolution that's put in place, and it's practiced routinely. As a matter of fact, the most recent life-saving rescue that was just made, the rope rescue that was just most recently made, I think it was 123 truck, if, I was, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the guy even commented, the firefighter commented during the interview after the rescue that we practice this all the time. He said, I think we drilled on it like yesterday or this morning. There was some, some immediate recent drill that had just happened. And it's so true. That, that's one of the evolutions. Now, obviously, you want to be able to stretch a hose or hoist a line or force a door. Everything's got to be practiced. You and right. I, you and I you know, talk about drill and training all the time. But this particular evolution is so dramatic. And if you don't do it right and the guy goes over and the rope was done wrong or the knot was done wrong or the substantial object was not tied up, if something was done wrong, you could have an immediate firefighter fatality or even a firefighter civilian. You don't get a second chance to do it right. There is no second. And now I'm going to add another funny. It's not funny, but it is funny to some degree. Another funny element is, now when I was a chief of the 18th Battalion or when I was a captain of 48 Engine, I always told my guys from the 18th Battalion, 58 truck, 38 truck, um, 56 truck, I told guys, you, you better practice up and know what you're doing with the life-saving rope. Because when it happens, when somebody says, hey, we got a victim, victim out the rear window, second floor, get the let you If you're not right on it, what's going to happen? Well, in the FDNY, I'll tell you what's going to happen. A rescue company or a squad company, you could even get to the roof ahead of them, dump your rope. And if you pause or hesitate or say, Billy, <laughs> you take this end or do I take that? And that moment, the rescue is going to pass you by, hook up their rope, dump it, and they're going to be over the edge, and they are going to complete the rescue. And they're going to be in the street being interviewed, and they're going to get all the accolades. <laughs> now, we know it's not about accolades. It's about rescuing the, rescuing the victim. But 
Could you imagine getting up there, humping up there with the rope, getting a radio message that you might only get once in your whole career? Yep, there's somebody who needs to be rescued with a rope in the rear of the building, and then somebody else gets there after you and goes, bink, bank, boom, and over the side. Don't you think Terry Hatton, don't you think Hatton's rescue one guy's do you think they were right on top of the life-saving rope evolution? Do you think they had that down pretty, pretty solid? And, and my answer is, yeah. You know, so, and it could be another truck as well. Don't get me wrong. The life-saving ropes arrive on the roof, and if you're not quick, if you're not Johnny on the spot, man, you're going to be up there fumbling with your rope while the other guy's being lowered. And, ju and just the seriousness of the rescue itself brings the – or it stresses the importance of training on that particular evolution. It's like – okay, we stretched our hose, uh, we went to the wrong door, or we, we, we got kinked, or whatever, or they got stuck, or underneath the tire on a car in the street, or whatever, and we went back and corrected it, and we were good. It's, it's not like one of these things when you're stretching a hose that you can go back and fix and continue with, the, you know, there's very little, there, there's very little, if any, if, if any chance for you to go, oops, I need to go fix this kind of stuff. You have one chance to get it right. And we talk about that. I mean, everything we do is important. The guy down the block at the hydrant that's not even seeing a fire, how he keys the hydrant, how he checks it, how he connects the devices to it, the appliance, is all important. It all could have a negative effect on the operation or on the safety of, of our people or somebody else. But once a life-saving rope rescue has been determined to be needed, Somebody's life is definitely in danger. Some civilian is definitely on the brink of either jumping out the window or dying right there inside their apartment. So it is a little bit more urgent because there was a known slash confirmed civilian life hazard that must be addressed right then. And like you just said, there are no second chances. They're not like, ah, oh, that didn't work so well. Hey, uh, 56 truck, come over here with your rope and see if yours works. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. So exactly. it's pretty dramatic, very fast-paced. Very fast-paced. There's, there's no time for taking out a card, a cheat card in your helmet saying, wait a minute, uh, I think that loop goes the other way. No, 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 no. you got to know what you're doing. Uh, yeah, because you said it before. That you make the decision. You go, okay, here it is. got to go now. There's not give it five minutes or give it eight minutes or whatever. We've, we've made this decision. we got to go now. So, well, and you made but, me but, think but before, before we move on, i gotta great, I got to tell you a great story that just <laughs> emphasizes this so much. You got to know this so well. So, so, uh, rescue one, right? Our, our old friend from rescue one, um, Bobby Morris, Bobby's retired now back in, you know, living in Connecticut. And I think he's got a fire job out there, but Bobby Morris was the captain of rescue one. No, no more maniac. Nobody's more of a maniac about training and knowing your job. So, so Bobby Morris is a rescue one. The bells would ring at midnight in Rescue One. Bing, 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 rescue's going out, and out they go. Out the door they go. Nobody's upstairs with their pants off in bed sleeping, dreaming about stuff. Everybody's mulling around a firehouse somewhere. Out they go down the block to something he set up probably earlier in the evening. They go to a vacant building. He says, get the life-saving rope. They walk up to the roof. They get up there. He says, okay, there's a victim one story down, hanging out the window in this shaft. We got to rescue him. Life-saving rope operation. Let's go. So they flip their lights on. They start working. He says, nope, no lights. Turn the lights off. I want darkness. It's dark and it's smoky up here. You can't see anything. <laughs> he made them do the life-saving rope evolution in the dark, at night, at midnight. And this is like December 21st. It's five degrees outside. He would go and practice and drill with his guys under those conditions to make sure when it did happen some December night next year, 
they were ready to go. And, and point being made, and you've always said this, I've heard you tell that story, and I love that story, because first of all, you talk about a great firefighter, a great officer, a great mentor, great teacher to so many. You know, he, he, he would get them all the way to the point where they're ready to go over, and they go, okay, stop. You know, I mean, you know, right. slow, and right. they weren't going to jeopardize. But, but I love the fact it's like, you know, everybody else is like, well, we, we train from 10 to 11 o'clock in the morning. And that's our, that's, that's on our rules or our contract. And we don't do, and I, I've oh, always oh, been We amazed. do our life-saving rescue quarterly. We, tr we train with that quarterly. Yeah. yeah that, that's, that's, places that's, train with that every week, no matter yeah. what else they're doing every week, they do a, a life-saving rope evolution. You and know? that's the, that's the John Cullen 235 engine story. Me right now when I'm, when he's a Lieutenant, this is before nine 11, remember with chief Dennis Cross there in 57 battalion, uh -huh. two, two o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. They're in their bunker pants having coffee because we, we, I went to 14 fires in 12 hours. I still have the MDT tape. I talk Great about place. that often. And, and John Kong goes, Rick, hey, tell us about that whole, that, that handcuff not an answer, you know. And, and the next thing I know, we're in, we're in the pole hole, the fire pole hole, pulling hoisting guys doing that at 2 o'clock, 2.30 in the morning. So midnight for Bobby Morris to take his guys up out for training. And that's the thing. If you want to be part of, and I've said this before, if you want to be part of the best, the best don't get to be the best just by pounding on their chest, sitting around and go, look at us. They, they get to be the best because they train their asses off. They work hard. They know their shit inside and out. They know every tool on the rig. They know everything about the job. They, they're into the job. Look, they have fun. They goof. They do other stuff. But man, oh man, you've said it before. You can't, you, you say about 48 engine. You should tell your guys when you're the captain, look, we can't pick and choose what we're going to be best at. We're either going to be the best at everything or, 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 or it's not going to be acceptable because as your captain, I, you know, I, I've always said I'm very competitive. I don't want to wear the t-shirt. I've said this a hundred times that says we suck less. I right. want to be the one that, I want to be the one that Chief Salka says, Lasky, come here, bring your crew. When, when, when it's, when it's something dramatic, when it's something you know, you turn around, there's four crew stand out there. I want to be the one that's picked. And that exactly. doesn't happen, like you said, unless you have company officers and firefighters who train their asses off all the time. Now, and I want to ask what, you. That other saying that I, that I heard last year or two years ago, and I repeat it all the time, it applies in lots of places, right? If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And, and that, that, that applies to this, too. You know, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. If, you, if you're drilling all the time, if you're practicing, if, if the last time you did that was never more than five days ago, you're going to ace it. Exactly. Well, here, let me, let me throw this because I, I thought of this before. You know, let, let's talk real quick equipment. Then I wanted you just to run us through the steps, okay, one by one by one as best we can, you know, on this show of, of the actual rescue. But we talked about the ropes. We talked about – because – you said it before, there's almost, per ISO, there's almost, there's almost 40,000 fire departments just under the United States of America, let alone our friends in Canada and all over, okay? So that being said, not everybody has, you know, all the different harnesses in their bunker pants and stuff like that. We talked about the ropes. Making Number one, making sure that you have a life-saving rope, and you mentioned before, it needs to be in a different color bag. It needs to be stenciled. It needs to be something at, at nighttime when you open up a compartment, you reach in, you know what you're grabbing, you know the difference between the two. You know the difference between a work rope or your search rope and that life-saving rope, which is just for that life-saving. mentioned earlier in the show, a lot of departments, amazing enough, come in where they just have one bag, that, 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 that rope bag they use for everything. So we talked about the importance of having a life-saving rope. Number two, John, 
we talked about the harnesses. Not everybody has, not everybody has the the harness set up um, in their in their like I said, their bunker pants, their turnout pants, like you see in, in some of the larger metro departments. So they've got to go back to using the harness. So that being said, you know you can't just in so many places. Think about this as as our listeners. Think about where you're at when it comes to this, this particular incident and where your harness is at. So many of these harnesses are chucked up into a compartment somewhere. Um, they're thrown into, you know, they're, they're, some people store them in, with, with the wrong stuff, you know, uh, that they shouldn't be stored in the same compartment because certain chemicals can break down fire. You know what I'm saying? If you're going to strap that belt on yourself, if you're going to strap that belt on yourself, and 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 repel off out a window down to a victim or off of a roof down to a victim uh you better make sure that all your equipment is trustworthy something you inspect on a regular basis you're putting your life your your, your life on the line no pun intended with that particular harness and that rope so make sure that that stuff is checked all the time is kept safe and is good good equipment so you've got to make absolutely sure that the equipment you're going to use, we, we said before, you have one time to get this right, that the rope, you know, and, and I, I, I didn't mention this a little bit earlier when I was talking, John, about, you know, making sure your, your rope bags are easily identifiable. Same goes, you grab your, your life-saving rope for a search and you drag it through this building through, you know, burnt out credit. It's no longer, you just ruined a whole life-saving rope. I wouldn't want to repel all, you know, off a roof or out a window with that. So making sure that those rope bags are easily identifiable, inspected, the care and maintenance, everything, because again, that is your lifeline. No, again, I said it before, no pun intended. And that harness, making sure that you take care of that harness, that it's just not, I've seen them where they're, they're kind of folded. It looks like they just took them out of the wrapper. It's like, you know, they're, right. they're, they're chucked up into some compartment or they're, they're, there's things laying on them or whatever. I'm like, that's what you're going to strap on yourself you know, and hang from, I, I don't think so. I want to make sure that this is right. So John, that being said, we talked about the equipment, if you will, the rope and the harness. We talked earlier about, you need to make that decision, whether you're going to, you know, repel, whether you're going to push off, off a roof or out a window down to a victim. You already talked about making the decision, whether you're going to actually stay with them and protect them in place while the crews attack the fire, or you go, you know what? They they're not they're not they're not making it. They're not making the door, the hallway, whatever. We got to go to the window below, and they're gonna have to pull us in. Walk us through the steps, okay? Take us through the steps. Right. So so here it is. So number one, that lifesaving rope is carried is carried to the roof of every building, every fire. There's a there's a there's a lifesaving rope that's going to the roof. If there's five no matter fire, what, every fire. It's not like they got to go dig one out. That's number one. Number two, the lifesaving rope is in a bag that says lifesaving rope. It's a white bag. It's the only one that's parked like that. Around that bag, as I mentioned, there's the Atlas Life Belt, the big, heavy leather belt with the big hook on it, because not every firefighter may have a personal right. belt on or a personal harness, right? Inside that bag is the life-saving rope and the anti-chafing device. So everything is in one unit. You get up there with that thing. It's got the shoulder strap. You throw it on your shoulder. You go up to the roof. When you get up to the roof, if you're going to use it, the belt comes off. You open, the, you open the top of the bag. You dump it. When you dump it, the anti-chafing device is already on the rope. It's already laced through it. The firefighter going over the edge doesn't wear a belt. The rescuer, the roof firefighter wears the belt. And they're the one that's going to make the, 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 the turns onto the hook 
and lower the other guy down. The other guy is actually going to step into the rope. The rope has two, two leg loops already built into it, already tied into it. He goes into it. They do a half hitch at the top, and he goes over tied up on the rope. He does nothing. All he does is, is slide down. The guy on the roof is the one that's actually wearing the belt, and he's also tied off. The other end of the rope also goes to a substantial object around the parapet, around the base of a chimney or something substantial to hold the extra weight. And then the roof firefighter is the one that lowers, lowers, and the firefighter being lowered puts his hands out and his fingers down for lower, and he, and he shouts, down, 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 and the guy on the roof can hear that, and he keeps lowering him slowly till he tells him stop, and he stops himself at the window. So as you can see, this is all prepackaged and arranged and ready to be deployed. You don't have so, to look for anything. So this is like the importance that a paratrooper has making sure his or her parachute is packed properly. You don't want to get up there and realize that th you know things weren't done right with that bag and that setup. Again, you, you're not going to be you're not going to be setting it up when you get up there. It should be ready to be deployed right then and there, right? And every week, every week, every life saving rope in the firehouse is dumped on a clean surface on a table and repacked. It's not just left packed for for a year. If they don't if they don't use it, it's not left packed for a year, and they don't use it for training. We have a training rope that we use for training. That rope is specifically used for a rescue. And if anybody ever goes out on it, it's the first time that rope will be holding weight. So question, if a firefighter, one of your truck squad or rescue guys has that harness that's built into their bunker pants and they're the firefighter going to the side, can they, can, would they connect to that or do they still use the, yeah, the loops? Yeah, they can use their harness. And, okay, and that's so, the thing. There's, so either or. Many, many, hundreds of different ropes and harness combinations. So. Whatever it is you select, the FDNY has their way of doing it. You may decide to select that or model yours after that or do it dramatically different. But there's, there's a lot of different accepted, certified, you know, adequate ways of doing it. Okay, so talk. So we, we just talked who has the harness, how they do whatever. Talk about a substantial object or, you know, let's start there and then let's go over the side. Right, so when you, when you, so when you dump the rope, obviously the rope that's – the end of the rope already has the, the substantial object, the, the, uh, the knot tied in it for the firefighter that's going to go over, and he puts himself into that, okay? Then the firefighter that has the belt on is going to take the other end of the rope and bring it back to, as I said, a bulkhead, which is the structure on the roof. If you take a stairway all the way to the roof of a building, when you step out, that's the bulkhead. You can go right around the whole bulkhead, or if there's a substantial brick chimney, not at the top, not at the middle, but all the way at the bottom, you can tie the rope around a brick chimney, and that would be a substantial object as well. You could even cut a hole in the roof if you had to and go around a beam if you had to. We don't want you to go around vent pipes or anything, no. anything sticking up that no. could easily break and, and snap and not off. Yeah. The firefighter who's going to go over is now ready. He's on, the, he's on the parapet wall ready. The other firefighter walks back, picks up the rope that's connected to him, takes the turns, the required turns, puts tension on the rope and tells him, go ahead. And he rolls over, holds on, and then slowly lets himself go onto the rope. And that's when the that's when the lowering begins. How and important follows, is it, and how important is the communication part of this, John, between the firefighter being lowered and the firefighter at the top? If it's just the two of them there, it's the shouting situation. The firefighter going down, firefighter lowering says nothing. He just listens. The firefighter going down says down, 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 and he'll lower him right until he says stop, and then he just waits. Now, if more people get there, then somebody can go to the edge with a radio and look down and say, okay, hold on, he's good. All right, he wants to go down. But, it, but if not, it's still very doable with just the two firefighters. 
And again, that you think about this, you know, in this whole decision-making process, John, it's one thing to rappel down to someone who's in a window, who's, who's poised to jump and to, you know, to protect in place, but a big decision, you get down to that window, talk about the decision as to whether you stay there or you say, I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to, I'm actually going to, I mean, getting them out onto the rope with you. Now, I guess there's two ways to look at it. If, if it's getting hot behind them, they're probably, you know, we saw that with Kevin Shea and his right. partner, and the, you know, you know, Patty Brown and all them and, and, and Ray McCormick, that whole crew from our school one years ago on Broadway, you know, when, when the guy just jumps on you, but right. talk about that decision right there, John, whether you stay in place or you say, no, nope, this isn't, this isn't working. We're going to have to go down. Well, that's another thing. First, there's just a correction in terminology. You're not rappelling down. Rappelling means you're controlling. Lowering. Yeah, lowering. You're being lowered, right? When you get down there, and you're correct, most of the time you have to hold the victim off of you. Most of the time they're going to try and lunge out. As a matter of fact, often as you're being lowered, they'll try and grab your feet or your legs because your feet get there first before you get <laughs> lowered down. So it's very difficult for the firefighter, the rescue firefighter, to get down there and control the victim. And you control them verbally. Tell them, it's okay, I'm here now. The fire department's here, you're going to be all right. I'm going to take you in a moment. And then he can talk on his radio, right? You know, rescue roof to engine 4-8. We get that fire knocked down, or, or he can listen and hear. 4-8 to command, fire's been knocked down, you know, or washing down, or whatever it is. Or we're having difficulty in the hallway. So he can judge by radio transmissions, by what's venting at the window, and by where they are. If they're on a the third floor, he may just grab this guy and go. And say, down, 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 say it 10 times, boom. He's in the rear yard. If they're on a 15-story, he might not. He might just grab the guy and go one story and go in, or he might stay right on the windowsill. And all three of those options have been practiced, and all three of those options have actually happened at fire. Well, and, and again, you know, that whole decision, this isn't something to get – I don't know how many times we can say it over and over again about training and about checking your equipment and training and having the tabletops, you know, just – that dis- how important is it? Let's back up for a second. The discussion, you're sitting around the 18th Battalion with 58 truck and 45 engine. Just your guys, like, I've been there so many times, having coffee, talking shop at the kitchen table, and doing a little shop talk on, you know, the, the rope rescue and talking about these different scenarios, especially with, with, you know, like a lot of departments, you know, especially your size, you know, biggest department. But, I mean, people coming through, probies all the time, different things those conversations, just because you've got a couple people in your particular department, your shift, your company that are well-versed in it, you, you, you can't trust the fact that everybody is. You've got to make sure that, you know, it, right, those repeated conversations that Absolutely. how important, John, is it to have the, we've talked about the tactics and strategy kind of tabletop talks, but to have that tabletop talk, you know, Maybe, like you said, bring the rope in, dump part, just dump it all on the kitchen table and talk about everything right there, the harness and yep. so on and so forth. Yep. How important? Let's back up. Talk about that for a second. I mean, the whole thing is very important. We talked about the preparation, the drills, the performance of the drills, the maintenance inspection of the rope. There's even a rope record card that gets filled out. Every time they dump that rope and repack it, repack it by Fireman Lasky, ladder one, the date. Everything is that, – that is probably the most honor-level tool and evolution in the FDNY, the life-saving rope, I'll tell you. And, and I think once it's elevated by the officers and by the chiefs and by the administration, once that – listen, we've lost guys out of, out of windows. We've lost guys from broken ropes. So we know, we know what happens if you don't do yeah. this right. So we've learned our lesson. And once the department puts the emphasis on that, I'll tell you what, 
the firefighters and the company officers should be following suit, and it, and it, it will stay as a high priority. And yep. and and we we hinted towards this earlier. Rescue ropes are like one-time use, right? I mean, oh, was, I was always trained. Once you use it, that's it. You just cut it up, rescue, or if it's used, it's gathered after the operation and and brought back to quarters, and somebody else it's condemned and used for something else, and you be issued a new rope. Absolutely. And that was the big that was a big emphasis. You know, I, I know a lot of people talk about this with particular particular because it was it was covered, you know, by that 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 show that was doing it, all the news media, right. but. The rope rescue on Broadway, they did two they did rescues off the, the same, same rope, rope right. with no substantial object tied off yeah. to a firefighter, one less firefighter. So that decision by Kevin Shea, our friend Kevin, they're all friends of yours, but my friend Kevin, to make that decision to be the second guy to go over on that same rope, a little more risk itself was, oh my God, you know, I just absolutely. Well, so so as we as we as we kind of bring things here to a close, we're you know for our, for our listeners, we just. We want to talk about the rope rescue because, again, there's been some pretty dramatic ones as of late in the FDNY that a lot of social media, different venues or different setups have covered. A lot of people talked about, yet I think a lot of people haven't had this particular conversation, John, with someone like yourself that trained to it, you know, all the years you were at the rescue and the squad, you know, as, as a firefighter and then as a lieutenant, as a captain, then all the years as, 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 as the one eighth as a battalion chief, the battalion commander, you know, not too many people get this chance to talk or listen to someone walk them through the steps. Nothing's perfect. You know, anybody out there knows this, that in order for a system to work well, you have to have a good protocol. You said this, you have to have a good SOG that is definitive, man. That, I mean, and again, it kind of sounds, geeky when I go wrong when I say it about SOG because those are flexible I understand that but you have to have those steps you have to have it defined and it has to be practiced and so if you're going to do this stuff folks if you're going to consider it reach out I, I'm sure the FDOI I know they share their information all the time and you can go right online you can google that stuff and all the evolution comes up and there's videos and everything yeah exactly it's all right there you know, do do your research. Make sure you keep your people safe. Um, so if you ever have to perform this again, you said it earlier, and I don't know if anybody picked up on it. I always do. You know, when 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 you're presented with a situation and it you you hear it on the radio, this may be the only time you ever hear that on the radio in your entire career for you to do it. When you mentioned, don't let someone else beat you to it. That you know, and, and not and not the competition based on your training and how well versed you are with what you do and how into the job you are. But it is one of those things that you may not ever do in your career. So when the time comes, if you are presented with it, you better make damn sure that your equipment is right. Your equipment has been inspected. It's checked. It's protected. And that you have everything, every step down, like you said before, John, without hesitation. Out of So closing remarks, buddy, on the rope rescue. If it's not something you do already, it's worth it's worth the investigation. It's worth looking into and seeing if maybe something your fire department could develop and put in service. If it is something you're doing, hopefully you're doing it like we do, not because it's like we do, but we really take it seriously and practice consistently. And and just know that it when these things arise, like you just said again, it's probably once in a career. And and think about the person hanging out the window. It's probably once in their lifetime that they're stuck in a window when their apartment is on fire, right? Yeah. So just you gotta. I'll, I'll just say my, my favorite term, right? If you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, another, hey, another great topic. 
Um, again, folks, reach out. There's information out there. Like John said, just Google it. Uh, you'll find a ton of good information that you can pick through to put your policy together. Um, there's plenty of people out there that will walk you through what you need for equipment. John, if they want to get a hold of you, best email. Chief John Salka at gmail.com. And I'm Chief Lasky at gmail.com. We, we appreciate you tuning in again and listening. Spread the word. Make sure you subscribe, whether you listen to us on iTunes or Spotify or my YouTube channel for those that don't have the ability to do either one of those. Um, we always ask you at the end of our shows, uh, we, we end with this one phrase, to, we ask you to please keep the, the men and women in our armed forces in your thoughts and prayers. And especially right now, we've, we've asked you this several times, please keep the men and women serving our law enforcement family in your thoughts and prayers. They need our support. They need our backing. They, they need our prayers more than ever. They're facing some really tough times. God bless our law enforcement community. Uh, with that, buddy, that's it. People, folks, we appreciate you. Thanks for uh, tuning in, and God bless you. Be safe.